You're listening to the Right Mindset Podcast with Raquel Henry. This is episode 12. This podcast is sponsored by and associated with my writing studio, Writer's Atelier. I'm an author, editor, writing coach, and part-time professor who believes that mindset work is the cornerstone of writing success. Hi, all. Welcome, welcome to a new episode. I am so grateful to you all for being here for episode 12. I like to start off by doing a little bit of a check-in. I feel like checking in with ourselves and also each other is so important right now. So my check-in, just a quick rundown. I've been super busy working on the magazine that I work for. And honestly, just realizing that it's important to meet deadlines and, and, and work, but also allowing myself just a little bit of grace because, you know, we are in a global pandemic and it is okay to take a little bit of a rest and sort of just remember to to just be, to just be alive. But in general, I'm really just grateful. I'm grateful to be working and I'm grateful that I'm here and I'm super grateful that I get to talk to you guys on this podcast and sort of send out the message, you know, my message about mindset work, and how critical I think it is for writers in general. So this kind of leads me a little bit into what we're going to be talking about today. You know, one of the things that has been helping me keep my mindset in check has been meditation. And uh, what's interesting to me is that a lot of people are either resistant to it, or maybe they don't fully understand what it is. I actually was in that camp, I did not understand what meditation was. I thought that you had to be super focused (laughs) to sort of like master meditation. And that's absolutely not true. You'll hear me talk a little bit about that today with our guest. And I'm not in any way claiming to be an expert, but I do know this much. Every single time I meditate, I feel less stressed, relaxed, and I am also able to achieve a little bit of balance in my day. And this was actually one of the reasons why the studio ended up teaming up with an expert in the field, Rita Sotolongo. And she and us, you know, we came up with a on-demand class called The Right Meditation for Stress and Anxiety. And if you guys are interested in checking that out, I'll link to it in the show notes, but it's actually 50% off. We're keeping it at 50% off during the pandemic, hoping that it will help, you know, some people sort of, you know, kind of cope with their anxiousness and also their stress right now, uh, specifically writers. So Rita also has been gracious enough to provide mini meditations every single week for writers. And those videos are on our IGTV and also our YouTube channel. They are completely free. And of course, I will link to that below in the show notes as well. Today, though, we're going to talk to Rita a little bit more about how meditation has been helpful to her life and her writing practice. We'll also discuss some of the common misconceptions about meditation. So if you've been hesitant, maybe you'll listen to this episode and be inspired to give it a try. I can't recommend it enough. Uh, and here's a here's Rita's formal bio. Rita Sotolongo is a published poet and registered yoga teacher in Orlando, Florida. Over the years, she's learned to integrate her two passions in order to keep sane in a chaotic world. This led to the development of her method for self-discovery, combining yoga with writing, a practice she shares in workshops intended to help people breathe and break through mental, emotional, and creative blocks. 
Her publications include Poetry in Black Box Literary Magazine, Parentheses Journal, and Petite Hound Press, as well as a short story in the 2017 Florida Writers Association Annual Collection and one in the 2018 Demonic Household Anthology. She is a wife, mother, and stepmom, and when not writing or practicing yoga, she spends her time navigating the domestic arena. Learn more about Rita by visiting yogaandwriting.com. Let's listen to my conversation with Rita now. So, Rita, welcome to the Right Mindset Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, thank you, Raquel. So I want you to introduce yourself a little bit. Tell everybody, you know, who, who is Rita Sotolongo? Well, um, as you said, I'm Rita Sotolongo, and I am a mother of two, a 200-hour registered yoga teacher. I am a poet and an avid journaler. Journaling is one of my favorite things. Rita, I really wanted to talk to you today a little bit about, you know, meditation specifically. You recently put together a class for us you know, called The Right Meditation for Stress and Anxiety. And honestly, it is one of my favorite classes. I absolutely love it. It's helped me. And I've heard that, you know, the people who have signed up so far have loved it and it has helped them. So I think I want to start with what exactly is meditation? Let's first talk about that so people know what it is. Well, thank you. That makes my heart sing to hear that it's helped even one person because meditation has transformed my life so much. So if I can help take my journey and help anybody start theirs or further theirs, that's, that just makes my day. Um, meditation to me is the practice of connecting within, with the true self, of slowing down and being mindful, um, and of opening ourselves to the present moment. Now, there are a lot of people who have misconceptions about meditation, and I know I was, I was one of them, but honestly... I actually thought that I could not quiet my mind. <laughs> like I thought, and I, I, I'm not saying that I'm an expert or anything on meditation. I just know that after my experiences with you listening to your course and also attending some of your in-person sessions and things like that, I, I just know that I can at least sort of get quiet for a small amount of time. It doesn't necessarily have to be this long stretch of time. And I think like that was one of my misconceptions was that you were supposed to just kind of like get quiet in your head for an extended period of time. And that sort of seemed impossible because I have a very loud mind. <laughs> I just want you to talk a little bit about what are some of those misconceptions that people might have and also maybe just like kind of debunk those things. Well, I think you just named the number one misconception is that the goal of meditation is to quiet the mind. Yeah. The result of the practice is a quiet mind, not the goal. That's not what you're sitting down to do. You, and it's very oh. tough. Trust me. I did it myself for years and years and years, sat down, thoughts would come up, stop, stop thinking. Thought would come up. No, we're not supposed to be thinking. Thought would come up. Focus on your breath, Rita. What you want to do is sit with your thoughts. So your mind is going to be loud. There is going to be chatter. One visualization that is often used is the snow globe. So when you first sit down, it's as if you had just shaken the snow globe and all the snow, all that, you know, snow is your thoughts fluttering around. You let them rise and then fall on their own. 
And as you're meditating, they will fall, they will quiet themselves. Mm. So the purest form of meditation is to sit or lay. That's the other misconception is that you have to, you know, sit in this seated cross-legged position and look like the Buddha while you're meditating. You know, those- I, know I, I have, I, I admit that I had that. <laughs> and that's not realistic for like, I lay in meditation because I have a bad back and oh. to sit in one of those positions for an extended period of time, I, I will not be able to focus on anything but my back. Yeah. So I often lay or I sit in my big recliner in my living room. Um, but, you know, the most simple way to start meditating is to just close your eyes or if you need to leave them opened because closing them for whatever reason causes any kind of anxiety. Um, it can Closing the eyes can be a trigger for people with PTSD sometimes. So you can meditate with your eyes open. You pick a spot on the wall in front of you and Deepak Chopra describes it as like softening the lens on a camera. So rather than having your eyes sharply focused on a spot in front of you, you just gaze out, soften that focus, and then bring your internal focus to your breath. And as the thoughts arise, you let them. And when you notice them, you simply say thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, no judgment, no, don't tell yourself to stop, you know, don't, don't worry about it. Don't, if you, you know, that's what's supposed to happen. And that noting thinking, um, sometimes I like to note stuff like planning or, um, hypothesizing because I do a lot of like, well, what if this happens? What if that happens? And like future mm-hmm. thinking, um, and it's that act of, noting that familiarizes yourself with your thought patterns and you just when you first start out you maybe are going to sit there and for the entire time you're meditating that's all you're doing is noticing how much you think anytime you notice it you use that as a reminder to come back to your breath and you just focus on that breathing in and out for me sometimes i just say breathing in breathing out you know inside my mind Um, If you feel a sensation, if, you know, something starts to itch, you know, when you're a new meditator, go ahead and scratch that. You know, if a mosquito bites you, go ahead and go ahead and scratch (laughs) if it's going to distract you. If you hear a noise, you know, just label it as noise. And this can be tough because if you're a mom trying to meditate and it's your baby crying, that can take some work to learn to just label it as noise. Um, if you start to feel something in your stomach, if you're starting to notice like you're tight in the stomach or you notice that your shoulder hurts rather than saying, ow, my shoulder hurts or pain. Or when you catch that, just say sensation and that Mm. detachment from the label of what it is helps it become something you can just accept as part of your meditation process. And it's that act of choosing the role of the observer. That's what you're doing. That's your goal. Your goal is to observe your thoughts. Your goal is to observe the sensations in the body, to observe the present moment. So whatever comes with it, distractions from the outside, distractions from the inside. And as you notice you're being distracted, 
you simply return your focus back to your breath until the next distraction comes up and it's a practice that's the practice and as the more and more you practice the easier it will become to sit down and have your mind quiet a lot quicker but when you first sit down in meditation that's what's supposed to happen it's supposed to be noisy so that's good for people to know i think because i think there is that expectation that you're supposed to just immediately sit down and your mind is clear. <laughs> and I hear it all the time that I can't meditate because I can't get my mind to clear. I can't get my mind to be quiet. And it's a fine, subtle distinction that, like I said, even took me years to fully understand And Who knows? I might not even fully understand it now because that's another thing with meditation is you'll uncover layers of understanding the longer you do it. Yeah. So who knows, two years from now, I might have a completely different understanding of what that means than I do right now. I definitely have a different understanding of it now than I did when I started six years ago. Yeah. And I just hate to see people quit and say that I can't when they actually can, because what's happening is actually, is what's supposed to happen. So that's, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you kind of clarified that for a lot of people. Now, I want to talk a little bit about what meditation has done for your life as a whole. What are the benefits to doing meditation? And then we'll get a little bit more into like how writers specifically can benefit from meditation. But as a whole, what, what has meditation done for your life and how has I, it helped you? I mean, it's improved pretty much every aspect of my life. Um, I, have anxiety and depression, but I cannot take medication because every medication I tried would give me side effects. I'm a very sensitive Mm -hmm. to medication. I can't take really anything other than Tylenol. (laughs) Um, So I was pretty much desperate at the time for anything that could help because I couldn't just go to the psychiatrist and get a script. And while For years, I also made the misconception of thinking meditation would take my anxiety and depression away. I now understand that it doesn't change who you are, but I can now recognize my anxious thoughts for what they are. Mm -hmm. And I can now recognize when I'm in a depression mode or mood for what it is, and I can allow it to be and pass on its own rather than trying to escape from it, which just pushes it down. Mm -hmm. And so I have not had a panic attack in probably five years when I used to get them quite Mm -hmm. often. I can't remember the last time I was in a true state of depression. Um, I have times where I'm, and by depression, a common misconception with that is people think it's like sadness there's a difference between, and that's something I learned a long right. way too. There's a difference between feeling sad and, depression. and being depressed. Yes. And I think recently with everything that's going on with COVID and everything, there's been a little bit of depression in the sense of like lack of motivation, finding it hard to get out and keep going. But I recognize that and I see that and I know what to do. I now make much more healthy choices for myself, both physically emotionally, mentally, all of it, because I'm more mindful of the things that I put into my body, of the routine that I live, of the people I surround myself with, of the media I surround myself with. Um, I can now recognize 
you know, when I eat something that just doesn't sit right and I do that and it never sits right. Oh, this is a food that I just shouldn't eat. When I watch news stories that the news doesn't make me anxious as often as it makes me somewhat angry. (laughs) So (laughs) while I know there's many people out there who think that, you know, it's, it's considered digging your head in the sand, not to watch the news. I just prefer not to watch mainstream media and find that my news is better when I seek it out, like that I need to know this information. So I'm going to find the answer to that question versus sit here and mindlessly watch the news curate what they want me to see because that affects me. My children are growing up in this world and that affects my mindset, my children's mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, you know, I think at the core meditation has been a practice and a tool that has taught me mindfulness and mindfulness has helped improve everything in my life. Well, you already know how I feel about mindfulness and, and all the mindset work that, that people need to do in order to sort of, you know, kind of just, you know, live normal, healthy, successful lives. And I think like meditation is one of those ways you can take care of your brain um, because like you said, it teaches you mindfulness. So they've shown scientists have studied it, that it reverses like damage from chemicals, um, drinking, like it can help ADHD people actually have better memory and focus. So, I mean, it it can actually change the makeup of your brain. Oh, I love that you said that. That's why I have you on here because you know, you know, um, all the technical stuff about it. So yeah, absolutely. Like, which is why I'm a huge supporter of it. And that's also why I wanted to do, I wanted you to create a class about like meditation specifically for writers. I also think as writers, the more I talk to writers, so many of us kind of suffer from anxiety or have anxiety, or even if it's maybe not like a full on form of that of anxiety, we get anxious about certain things. Right. Um, And so always talking to you and hearing that, you know, meditation can help with that. I wanted a class that was specifically geared at writers that would, you know, sort of help them through that. And I think your class does just that. Um, so just sort of moving into some of the topics you cover, I wanted to just touch on them and talk about them. So how can a writer benefit from doing meditation, like a writer specifically? So not just like looking at the big picture in a sense, like your life, how your life can benefit, but how can a writer specifically benefit from meditation? Well, I think, you know, writers, we're all, most people turn to meditation because they're looking to quiet the mind, right? We writers, (laughs) we have all the normal thoughts, you know, all the to-dos and the kids and the jobs and all that stuff, money. But then we have all those stories, all those words, all, all the thoughts, all the things going on in there. And all that comes with those words, right? Yes. the rejection and the fear and all that stuff. Yep. Yes. So meditation can teach you to uh, be able to sit and kind of let that flow. It can teach you to recognize, to be more mindful of your own process. Um, It can teach you to 
adapt. It can teach you to let the fear be there, but not cripple you to the point of being unproductive. Yeah. Um, it can teach you how to learn to quiet those other thoughts, the to do's and all that stuff so that you can actually have those creative aha moments that could solve problems for your writing. So, I mean, there's just so much because writers do, we have so much to be anxious about. I mean, it's a career that we do for passion, not for money, because, you know, while there are the Stephen Kings and John Grishams of the world, you know, a lot of us, this is a second job, sometimes even a third job. Um, and it's something we do because we feel like a physical need, you know, otherwise, I mean, people have gone mentally insane because they can't create, they don't yeah. know that they are meant to create and all that creative force and all those thoughts and all of that building up and no outlet that, that can make a person crazy. Then you add someone who is seeking publishing and yes, that's a lot of rejection and that's very scary. It's a lot yeah. of work. I mean, it's, a, it's a, so much work. There's so much more to it. People think when they think about writers that we just sit there behind our typewriters and we're just click clacking away and, you Looking know, out we, of the yes. And then those pages just, just, we just send them in a, because if you watch movies, you just put them in a brown envelope and you mail it and then boom, you're published, you know, like that's what people see. And we know there's so many steps in between and there's deadlines and there's promotion which is hard work and a lot of work for extroverts yeah. but for introverts that's like oh my gosh I have to put myself out there I have to talk to people like there's that whole aspect of anxiety to it um, if you are trying to financially make a career out of this then you have to be like producing work and yeah. that's stressful and sometimes we're tapped out and we don't we don't have it meditation helps you detach your emotion from all those thoughts mm -hmm. it helps you detach like you can learn to recognize what makes you procrastinate it can learn, you can learn to recognize what are you afraid of? What is that fear? And I think one of the biggest things is it can learn, it can teach you to recognize the difference between your voice and your inner critic. Yeah. Because that inner critic, while that's a part of us, man, those inner critics can be so tough. They can be yeah. debilitating. They can be, you know, well, I guess debilitating would be the best way to, to describe it. And it can make you stop writing. It can. And I think people do. That's that voice. Yeah. That's the, the inner critic is that same voice telling you, you can't meditate because you can't quiet your mind. Mm -hmm. Okay. That you, and in with meditation, you can learn to recognize that that is your inner critic. You can learn to step detach from those thoughts. You can learn to reframe those thoughts. You can learn to take your inner critic because telling your inner critic to stop being negative is just another form of your inner critic criticizing you. Yeah. <laughs> so instead, you can learn to say, I recognize that thought as an inner criticism. Okay, I have that thought. How can I reframe that thought? How can I make that thought productive? That's one of the things I love about meditation is that it, it teaches you sort of that how to reframe your thinking. 
I want to touch a little bit on some of the, the topics, you know, you're covering and maybe how, like, if you have any specific examples. One of the things I struggle with is definitely the inner critic, but there can be so many variations of that inner critic. It could really be like an inner critic that's like maybe criticizing the actual writing, right? So like, this is not good enough. This sentence is not good enough. You know, this work is not good enough. The book is not good enough. Um, the story is not good enough, even after publication, like, right. And then there's like the version that's like the imposter syndrome, you know, like I'm going to be found out, <laughs> you know, I published this thing. Like I, and I, I will be fully transparent here. Even, you know, I have all these ideas in my head of what's, what, I, what I'm going to do and what success looks like and how it's going to make me feel. And, I reached one of the you know biggest my, milestones, which was to get a literary agent, and it, I am ecstatic and I am over the moon and I am grateful, but it doesn't make me feel more qualified. You know, like I think I thought in my head, like I was going to have an agent and then I would be able to write. <laughs> like I would, I yes, Raquel, you can write because now you have an agent. You know, like yes, you know, and it really it doesn't do that. You know, we have sort of these ideas in our head as to like levels of success and what what they mean and and how we think we're gonna feel when we when we get to that level, right? But I think like you can get to those levels and become, you know, whatever your definition of success is, you can be successful. But then there's that imposter in the, the syndrome in you that says like or the critic, right, that says, yes, you were able to do this, but can you keep it? And can you hold on to it? And are you going to keep, are you going to be able to continue to perform? And, you know, what if like, this was just a lucky thing? Like, what if this was a fluke? And now you might go on to like, not even sell a book, not that you have an agent, you know what I mean? So there are all these different sort of versions, I think, of the, of the inner critic. And I just want to know, like, what is, have you had an experience where you had that inner critic challenge you and meditation has sort of helped you come out of that? Yes, I have. And I think one of the biggest things, I keep saying one of the biggest things, but because there's just so many big things with meditation. Uh, there's so many levels of, mm -hmm. you know, we've already talked about it can teach you mindfulness. You can learn detachment. So when you sit in meditation or lay or mm -hmm. walk, in meditation, that observing mind, we call it a beginner's mind. Mm. Uh, so you sit down every day with no attachment to an outcome, no attachment to the idea that you need to even quiet your mind. You are literally just sitting. These days when I do it, I'm sitting because I just want to be present. That's my goal. Like I'm just going to accept everything that comes right now for however long I feel like meditating. And that's what it is. So when you're going through and you're detaching from labeling your thoughts or detaching from judging your thoughts, you're practicing detachment. When you make that practice of simply noting a sensation in the body instead of naming what you're feeling, you're practicing detachment. And when you practice that daily, that will carry out into other areas of your life. So the inner critic is your attachment to an idea of how your writing should be. Your imposter syndrome is your attachment to an idea of how writers work, live, look, perform. When you can detach 
from that, you learn to enjoy the process. Yeah. So for instance, there are Buddhist monks that will spend months creating these beautiful drawings with colored sand. And as soon as they're done, they don't even take a picture. They blow it away. It is the practice of not being attached to the outcome of the work, but enjoying the process for the process. Yeah. And so when you are meditating and you're practicing that, that can carry on and your inner critic's not going to go away, you know, but you can, you can do several things. You can detach from it and say, you know what? I'm just here to work today. I'm enjoying the process, but you can also learn that recognizing, okay, my inner critic's being very vocal today. So what about this passage? And you can detach from those thoughts, those, because I heard you say, this isn't good enough. This isn't good enough. So I feel your inner critic probably tells you a lot that you are not good enough. You are not doing it right. So you can step away from that and go, okay, what is my inner critic trying to tell me? Like, what about this passage has me saying that? Yeah. You know, like what needs to change in this writing for me to feel that it is good enough. You can maybe the answer to that could maybe even be like, do I need to step away from this passage today? Yeah. And go work on something else and come back to it with fresh eyes, you know, and the imposter syndrome definitely is a case of, of needing to step away from the idea of if I have this, I'll be a writer. If this happens, I'll be a writer. I need yeah. to publish this book to be happy. Because all it does is set you up. You'll never, you'll never reach it. It will always set you up to thinking that, okay, I've attained this. Now I need this. Versus being present means, you know, no matter what happens, whether you get an agent, whether you don't get an agent, whether you get published, whether you don't get published, you enjoy writing. Yes, but I forget that. <laughs> Of course, we all do. <laughs> because I will say there was a period where I was so obsessed about getting an agent. And I, I talk about this all the time. And probably people think I'm a broken record by now because I'm, I'm sure I must have mentioned it on like every episode. But I, the, I, there was a time where I was obsessed with that. But, you know, I, I, I recognized that I needed to like step back. And I took a year off of working on that particular novel and I just said to myself, I need to fall back in love with writing and I'm not going to worry about getting an agent. I'm not going to worry about if this is even agent worthy. I'm just going to write because I like to write and I let myself write whatever I wanted. You, I, you and I have talked about this before, I think, Rita, and like I would even journal. I wrote blog posts some days, you know, like just whatever I felt called to write. And I, I didn't put pressure on myself to write a particular thing or um, even a particular way I just needed to get I knew I needed to get words on the page for the day and I mean that that had that was honestly the best thing I could have done for myself you know and and in the following year when when I did revisit that novel you know I went into revising it and querying it in, in a different headspace it was no longer an obsessive like I must get an agent it was more of a you know, if this doesn't work out, there are other paths, <laughs> you know, but then I forget. And then I'm like, okay, now, you know, I, I made, I got this goal. Now it's like, okay, what's the next thing, right? <laughs> and I forget like, okay, but wait, you just had a productive year of 
mindset work, right? Where you, where you, where you recognize that you just want to write, you know, and now you're sort of taking a step almost not, I don't want to say back, but like a step that isn't as productive by thinking like, okay, now what's the next thing? And, and, and you have to reach this next thing to, to sort of, and feel, feel like a writer again. You know what I mean? Well, and I think, you know, there's still, you still have goals. Like being present doesn't mean not planning for the future. It doesn't mean um, not having goals and dreams, but being mindful can open up, believe it or not, the possibilities of making those come true. Because if you're so attached to this has to happen this way and you're spinning your wheels, you could be missing something. Mm -hmm. And Joan Anderson, I just got done reading uh, A Year by the Sea, the book of an unfinished woman. I don't know if that's the exact title, Um, but she's a writer who went to spend a year by the sea after her kids were all grown and her husband was moving on in his career. And she realized that she'd been living her life for other people. And she meets another woman who told her life is never ending. It's an, it's an ongoing journey. There is never, you're never going to reach that moment where you finally have everything where you can breathe that sigh of relief. Like it's a, and that's goes back to that beginner's mind. Every day is a new day. Every upset is obstacle challenge, whatever you want to call it is a new opportunity. Every breath is a new breath. And, you know, being mindful is, is going to help you open up your ideas and your mind to the opportunities that are there. So you still work towards those dreams and goals, but you learn to say like, I'm going to publish this book and be open to how you Raquel are going to publish this book. Yeah. Not subscribe to, okay, in order to publish the book, I have to do this, 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 this. You know, and when, and mindfulness helps you realize when something isn't working, when you're trying to force something, yes. there is a subtle, very, very fine line between forcing yourself through and breaking through. There's a big, I teach this more in my yoga classes because it has to do with like the physical pain of the body. Mm-hmm. Forcing yourself into that pose is different from breathing through the discomfort of a pose. We don't want to force our bodies into a pose that hurts. We want to listen to our body tell us this hurts. This pose is not good for us. Detach from that ego that's saying I have to do this pose because that teacher up there is doing this pose and either learn to modify for our bodies or learn to take a resting pose. Yeah. I love that because that that concept can easily be applied to writing, you know? forcing yourself to sort of fit into these boxes that like honestly a lot of publishing wants writers to fit into and that like I, I had a, I interviewed another writer for the Larry the Y Larry magazine that I I'm running um and different kind of interview than than an audio but um she had mentioned that she would tell her younger writer self you know that you don't have to choose the one path that everybody is trying to sort of push on you. A writer can sort of take their own path in their own time. And they don't need to fit into these boxes. Yeah, someone once told me I'd always interpreted Robert Frost, the road not taken to mean that he went the path 
that was different from everybody else. And someone told me a different interpretation that no, those paths are actually as equally taken, but he chose the one that he wanted to go down. It's not that he decided to be different from everybody else. It's that he came to the fork in the road and yes, he saw the one that maybe was more worn and he saw the one that was more wilderness and he took the one that appeared to be less traveled. But the truth is there was still a road there, which means it had been traveled. Mm, that's interesting. You know, maybe he took the path that the one that even though people might equally take him, maybe that's the one that's criticized more. <laughs> well, well, and that's, you know, I, it's so silly, but my son watches Ninjago and if there's any boy mom's listening to this they might know what i'm talking yeah. about and i think it's in the in the movie the ninjas are like going on their path and they come to a literal fork in the road with a signpost that says like easy or like easy way and it's like you know on their like enlightened path and it's this dark mountain that they have to climb with all these you know and it yeah. was literally the path to enlightenment was the hard way and then there was the easy way but that led to nowhere yeah and you know, I was sitting there watching this. I was like, that's pretty deep. Yeah, that's deep. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's pretty. And I used it with my son the other day. I told him, I said, don't you remember in the movie, you know, to get to the, to the good stuff in life, you got to actually work at it. You got to go the hard path. And that's meditation is hard. It's hard to sit down with yourself. It's hard to you know quiet the noise especially these days with all the noise like it's not easy mm -hmm. uh being a writer is not easy so when you can find a way to practice all of these concepts all of these things people are t don't stress don't be anxious don't worry don't be afraid of rejection okay it's like the house metaphor if i come to you and i say i need shelter and you just say build a house <laughs> okay how do i do that for me, all of that advice people give us, meditation is the how. Uh, That's yeah. how you learn to do all these things that you're trying to apply to the rest of your life. And it will. It will just naturally start to fall over into, you'll just watch it happen. Things will click, come into place. You know, I don't get to it every day. And when I started, I could maybe set aside five minutes. I remember thinking like, how am I going to have time for this? And now... Uh, it's something I want to do. It's something I prioritize. It's something that I have plenty of time for. And because I'm more productive, I have more time in the day now than I did when I used to not meditate. Cause you'd be surprised how much time anxiety and stress and worry and procrastination take away from you. It's true. <laughs> I, it par honestly, I'm not even going, there are some days it paralyzes me where I feel like I don't even, I have so many things to do. I don't even know where to start. And I just end up staring into space. Like what, what should I do today? And I, I can't even make a decision on that. So um, sometimes I think we need those days. Cause don't get me wrong. I have those days too. So, you know, I, I know all this, I understand all this, but that's why I keep meditating. Cause I have to keep reminding myself of this. That's why I teach yeah. to keep reminding myself of this because this is in no way to say that I have mastered life and I am right. Buddha and I am now, you know, Zen. No, this is how I managed to make it through life so that when I do fall off, I remember, oh, wait, I can come back to this. And I think that something else we do is we disregard how important our, 
our worries and fears and anxiety, how important all of our feelings are and the messages they send us. And so when you are learning mindfulness, you start to learn how to listen to that. And I've completely restructured my life because a lot of my anxiety was me just not living in a way that was conducive to how I need to live to be less anxious. Well, I could really sit here and talk to you all day about this. Like, I mean, there are so many even subtopics, you know, inside of, uh, inside of meditation. We might have to have you back on <laughs> later on to talk about some of those. But last thing I want to ask you is, aside from meditation, is there anything else you do to help take care of your of your mind? I know for me, I t- this is something I see all the time. Like meditation is part of the work for for mindset, right? It's part of that mindset work that I'm always talking about, right? And like you said, it's the how, right? It's how you sort of tackle a lot of these problems. And I will say it is true. I think everybody should give it a try, but there are some some people that, you know, this is probably, it's not going to be the right fit necessarily for everyone, right? We can agree on that, right? I think like this is definitely something I, for me, I think is good, but there are lots of other layers, right, to taking care of your mind. And even if you do engage in meditation, that's not the only thing that you have to do, right, to like ensure that you're like taking care of your mind on a regular basis, right? And you can't just, again, snap your fingers, right, and just be like, hey, I have a positive mindset. I'm doing meditation. I have a positive mindset. (laughs) No. Right. You can't really, you can't do that. Right. It's, it's part of the work that the daily work that's required for developing a healthy mind. Right. So are there any other things that you do outside of meditation to help you kind of take care of your mind? Well, so many, and that's actually some of the misconceptions we missed is that there's other ways to meditate that have nothing to do. And we can go into that another time, but nothing to do with sitting and just breathing. So I walk I try to walk every day. I find that walking is is its own form of meditation, whether I'm doing a walking meditation, which is where you stay mindful and present with the breath and everything, or if I'm just walking so that I can let the thoughts just flow. Yeah. Because I I find that you did a walking meditation in your course, right? Yes. I practice yoga still. It's my practice looks very different from anything you'll see on Instagram or in the magazines because of my back. So I've developed my own very modified, gentle way of doing yoga. That helps me get into my body. So days when I am like paralyzed with anxiety, I put the head stuff, the mind stuff away and go find ways to get back in the body. I read daily meditations. Like I'm, I, I love those books. 365. Right now I'm in stoic daily meditations, learning about stoicism. I've done a year with Hafiz. I've, I read Jesus Calling. I forget the, there's another one that's great. And it's about Journey to the Heart by Melody Beattie is a great one. So once a day I check in with it because it's always a positive message. So I start my day with that positive food for thought. I journal. I have, I don't even want to tell you how many journaling apps on my phone. Um, but I try to start every day with a little bit of, of journaling, a mindful check-in. If I'm really upset about something, I will journal through it. Um, so, you know, we underestimate in this country how much taking care of the body can affect the mind. 
Um, and then I try yeah. to find things that make me laugh. That's good. I love wait, that. Wait, wait, don't tell me is like my medicine. What is? Wait, wait, don't tell me. It's on NPR. It's a um, weekly quiz news show. So it's like, if you want to get your news, that's the way to get the news because it's hysterical <laughs> the way they deliver it. It's a quiz show. Or I have my like staple TV shows that I turn to, like I Love Lucy and Friends and um, Big Bang Theory. Just, yeah. just lighthearted, funny shows that no matter what's bothering me, those, if they even remotely touch on that, are going to do so in such a lighthearted way that it doesn't put me into a dark place or anything. Yeah, I love that. Um, all important things, laughter, movement. It's interesting how movement is, is so linked to, to mindset work. It's I, I, and I, that's probably one of the areas I definitely need to work on is like movement. Cause I sit at a desk all day and I, mm-hmm. you know, I edit for a living and I write for a living. So I'm working on that though. I'm not going to say what I'm doing on this podcast though, but I'll tell you after. <laughs> <laughs> I, have to, I have to work up the nerve to disclose that information, but. <laughs> well, and that's what brought me to yoga. One of the things that got me into yoga was that would be how I would, when I was sitting at a desk 40 hours a day, I would get up and do like 10 minutes here, 20 minutes there to just loosen up the key. Cause I, I have ADHD, so I can't sit still. So that, you know, when I worked at a desk, I did walking meditation. I didn't do seated meditation. Mm-hmm. I jogged and I did yoga almost every day. I would work those into my day. Cause I have to, I have to move or else I yeah. will go like loopy. Okay. I'm going to, I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> Because I, I do feel better when I have like some sort of physical activity, you know, like where mm-hmm. I'm doing some some sort of movement, body movement, you know. All right. So Rita, where can people find you? Where are you hanging out online? Right okay. now, I would recommend you come find me on Instagram. It's at mindfulness underscore and underscore musings, M-U-S-I-N-G-S. Um, I have a website, but everything's in transition for me. I'm when I do come back to work, I just had a baby for those of you listening. So I'm currently on a maternity leave of sorts. When I do come back, I'm going to be transitioning my focus to teaching a lot more about mindfulness, using yoga teachings and yoga philosophy to do that. But um, so I, that's all still in the works. Okay, that's great. So I will also be posting those links down below um, in the description of the podcast episode. Um, and I will also post the link for your class with us. Um, for anybody listening, the right meditation for stress and anxiety, Rita did an on-demand class. And I mean, I can't recommend that class enough. And you have access to those recordings pretty much on demand for the rest of eternity. Um, I promise I won't shut down the website so you can access them. (laughs) And yeah, I just, sometimes I put one of those on just randomly just to kind of get my head in a space, you know, because um, especially if I'm feeling overly anxious, that's one thing about meditation. I will say like, just to end here is that at, at the end of the day, even if you don't get into all the technical stuff, like it always makes me feel more calm. After I finish, I feel so much better. And, and I feel like I can do whatever the thing is that I'm trying to do. So 
Well, thanks so much for being here, Rita. Thank you for having me. And sharing all your knowledge. Um, honestly, like you, lots of what you've talked about and, and what you've even taught me on a friendship level, you know, privately, I mean, it has been life-changing. So thank you. Thank you. you. <laughs> I feel a little more relaxed just listening to Rita talk about meditation. <laughs> In all seriousness, She's such a fantastic teacher, and I'm lucky to know her and call her friend because there are always bits of her knowledge sprinkled into our conversations. I really hope this episode offered a little more clarity on the practice of meditation and how it can help your writing life and honestly your life in general. You don't have to do a total deep dive into meditation. You can just dip your toe in and go slowly. And if you're interested in doing that, we do have those resources for you like the mini meditations, which are totally free. And of course, you can check out Rita's online class with us, The Right Meditation for Stress and Anxiety. I'll link everything in the show notes, of course, including Rita's social handles. Thanks, as always, for listening, you all. If you're enjoying The Right Mindset podcast, I encourage you to subscribe and leave us a review. You can also check out Writers Atelier at writersatelier.com or on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube. If you're interested in joining our membership, you can do so through Patreon. Special thanks to our podcast editor, Allie Grauer. Take care and happy writing life. <laughs>